Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Emke. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, uh, we have a little bit of a change of pace. Usually if one of us is gone in an interview, it's, it's, it's usually... You're gone, and, and I, I try to hold up the interviews. I got so much other stuff going on at the shop. I know. You know? Well, you, we try to keep I don't have busy. as much free time as you do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, unfortunately, you were out, you know, this uh, this week. So uh, we had a gentleman, uh, which we'll get later in the episode here, but Kyle Fisher from Hot Shot Secrets. Super so fun interview. A uh, lot of good uh, background info and some of the development that goes into some of their products. So. Yeah, this is one of those topics where really diving into fuel additive as we're kind of wrapping up the tail end yep. of our fuel series here. Um, this is one we've had questions about for years. You know, last week we, re we re-ran uh, the Randy Harkema interview yep. where we asked him, hey, is this snake oil or science? He walked us through, I think he made a very valid case for its science. And if I remember rightly, we had left that one saying, hey, we're going to go try to test this right. out in the real world. Mm -hmm. uh, you've had a chance to run additive before. Mm -hmm. I've run additive before. Mm -hmm. Add mediocre results is what I would yeah, say. Not I mean, to knock anybody or anything. I would, I would say I have, ever since that Randy interview a year over a year ago, I have consistently had additive in both my diesel vehicles. Yeah. Um, I would say as now, I still add it because now I'm programmed to add it, right? <laughs> um, and I haven't had any any injector issue or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I guess, you know, we'll kind of run it and see what happens. The, the right? science is good. It's not going to be something like we know. It's not going to be something that adds five miles to the gallon no, on your no. MPGs. It's I not going to be something that throws an extra 100 horsepower at your truck. But there's still a lot of value to it, and there's still a lot to learn about it. I think, you know, as we get into this interview with Kyle, there's a couple key factors that I think additive is going to uh, bring to the table, and that is CTAN enhancement and lubricity. Right. And I think, as we talk common rail injection systems, CP4 pumps on a lot of the newer trucks, there is a lot of value there. So, you know, I'll leave it to Kyle to kind of go through that stuff. I think he had some really insightful information that a lot of our listeners are really going to appreciate. Absolutely. Hey, before we dive into that, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, of course, Calibrated Power, home of Duramax Tuner, where Chris and I work full time. Uh, we are wrapping up the tail end. If you're hearing this, it is the last day yeah. uh, of our uh, big tax return yep. sale. So get 10% off on Switch on the Fly custom tuning with EFI Live, MM3, or EasyLink. Yep. So great, great availability. Great availability there. Make sure you take advantage of it. And then Exergy Performance, your one-stop shop for any common rail fuel system needs, whether it's injectors, injector pumps, fuel lines, uh, you know, relief valves, regulators, anything of the sort. Um, they can get you set up from stock replacement to high horsepower applications, and they're just a great group of guys to work with. That's right. We love working with Exergy. Uh, and right next to Exergy, of course, is going to be our WC Fab sponsor. Love Jason Worley and the whole crew down there of all the Worley guys. Uh, their new huge facility we've all been following online. Did you see they're having an open house <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. in the fall? Yep. I know I'm really excited for that. Of course, they not only handle any of the custom fabrication parts we need, like custom intakes or custom intake horns yep. or intercooler pipes, they also do a phenomenal job with all of their custom powder yep. coating. Really gives your truck that personal touch, right? It really does. <laughs> and last but not least is XDP, your one-stop shop for diesel performance. Okay. Uh, XDP is somebody that not only... Can you buy all of the Duramax Tuner products through? They're also somebody that when we need products here at the shop. That's where we order. We order from XDP. They're great to work with, uh, and they're very knowledgeable and helpful as well. All right, with no further ado, let's dive right in. All right, guys, here we are with uh, Kyle Fisher from Hot Shot Secrets. Kyle, how the hell are you? I'm doing good. Glad to be on. Appreciate you guys having me. 
appreciate you taking the time to, you know, go through some of these questions and whatnot that we have. You know, we always start off these interviews with, you know, a little bit of background on the interviewer that we have on. So, Kyle, give us a little bit of your background in diesel performance and the diesel industry as a whole. Well, let's see. I started with Hotshot Secret uh, in 2017. Uh, I spent the first couple of years at the company as the director of marketing. Then I spent a couple of years as the director of sales. And now I'm in a position that we like to call the director of branding and promotions. Um, call it what you want it. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of marketing and sales. I, I support both sides and I work closely with our R&D. Um, I, I run all of our motorsports sponsorships and uh, all of our, 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 you know, our motorsports outlets in general. I do a lot of the interviews like this for, for you guys and whatnot. So at this point with, uh, with hot shots, I really just try to help grow the brand and, uh, answer questions that we like to love to educate people. So this is like a perfect opportunity of stuff we like to do. Uh, and you know, if I feel if everybody in the world knew a little bit more about lubricants, then, uh, We'd all be we'd all be better off. So that's what I that's what I try to do. I definitely could uh, contest that you're a busy guy. I mean, a lot of the top tier competitors, you know, right now in UCC and all those big events, they they have hot shots backing them and a lot of those higher horsepower builds. So you know, there there has to be something to be said about you know what you guys are doing over there. So it's cool to see that support within the industry altogether. Um, you know, Hot Shot Secrets is something that we've seen grow. I think for myself, one of the first times I heard of Hot Shot Secrets was probably from the boys over at Firepunk. It seems like Firepunk's been a really big advocate of uh, Hot Shot Secrets for some time. What's the background with Hot Shot Secrets? Like, where and how did Hot Shot Secrets come about to becoming, you know, pretty much your one-stop shop for all different types of diesel additives? Great question. Uh, so I'll give you the condensed version, and I'll even tie Firepunk into it, how that all got started. Uh, our owner, Chris Gabrelchek, uh, we're, we're located here in Mount Gilead, Ohio, just about 30 miles north of, of Columbus in central Ohio. And Chris had started, this would be our 25th year of our parent company name. It's called Lubrication Specialties is what Hot Shot Secret is a, a brand of. And Chris was actually a one-man show 25 years ago. That was, he's a tribologist, which is um, an oil nerd. Let's, let's call it what it is. And, uh, he was working with big industry, uh, solving different types of lubrication issues. Like maybe if it was a, a factory that had to change bearings, you know, twice a year, he'd come up with a lubricant that would make him change it once a year and save a million dollars, you know? So, uh, at the time, this is when Ford released the six liter and the Huey injector and, uh, the 7.3, and as you probably know, those injectors had problems right out of the gate. They were coming up yeah. uh, international suing Ford, Ford suing international on the warranty claims. And they reached out to the tribology community and said, hey, can anybody out there help fix this problem? So little old Chris here in Ohio uh, came up with uh, Stiction Eliminator, which is, you know, our flagship product that we've had forever. It was our very first one. And it's an oil additive designed to clean out a fuel injector initially. So okay. it kind of confused people, but the, the, the Huey injector is an oil filled fuel, right. fuel injector. And he submitted to Ford. Uh, they tested it for a year and found that he had the right product for him. And so he thought, wow, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going <laughs> to retire young. I got it made. And what do you know? Uh, by the time they were ready to go to market Ford up and stop manufacturing the six liter engine and he right, was left right. high and dry. But he had a great product and he knew there were millions of those trucks out there. So he said, you know, I'm going to go to market with it. And to his credit, uh, Chris hustled. And 
the actual name of the product originally, and this gets into the name of the company. A lot of people don't know the name of the product was called hot shot secret. And okay. it was just a one product company. And that's all he made. And he would stalk like fuel pumps. You know, he'd go to, he'd go to truck stops. And if he saw a <laughs> six liter seven, three, he'd show up with a bottle and say, Hey, I want you to try my product. It works really go. good. You know, kind of some creepy guy. It out. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it really grew from there and it took off. And the, at the time was during the Katrina disaster. Okay. And if you remember, they were running uh, FEMA trailers yeah. from Indiana where they're all made down, down in new Orleans. And so they're just running them down as fast as they can. And those were all six liters that that was just the air of the six liters. So he thought he's got this brilliant idea. He's going to call it hot shot secret because of all the hot shotters trying to what? stay on the road yeah. to get down, to get down to, to, to drop these FEMA trailers off. I mean, little did he know we'd grow into what we were, are now. Yeah. Uh, but the product took off and uh, he got it into retail. And then we came up with the diesel extreme for the fuel side. And, you know, here we are many years later we're the fastest growing lubricant company in America for three years running now. Yeah. And we've got fuel additives, oil additives, engine oils, trans oil, gear oils, you name it. We pretty much have something for, for everybody. So uh, we're still owned by Chris Gabrielcheck and uh, we're still privately. We still are located here in Mount Gilead, Ohio. So we're proud to be a, but I always like to say that perfect size where we're big enough that we do all our own R and D and manufacturing and blending and bottling and packaging and everything. Um, but yet we're small enough that we're nimble and we can create unique products and get to market quick with a, a really uh, led by our R and D department here. That's really, uh, really leads the way for us. Well, one of the reasons that we have you on today is to kind of uh, fulfill a spot in our our diesel fuel uh, series that we're doing. Um, Hotshot Secrets has a winter and a summer blend uh, diesel additive for diesel pickup trucks. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit more specifically on those two products. Um, and I think where I really wanna start is, is you and I, you know, we're located in, in the Midwest, right? So we are programmed to know, hey, you have your summer blend additive and you have your winter blend additive. Um, where some of the guys, you know, in the Southern states, you know, they don't, they don't know about the, the winter blend fuel that we have and, you know, knowing that there's two different types of additives. So walk our listeners through a little bit the difference between those two additives, I think, for starters. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, there's very there's a very simple difference in the two. Okay. We add an anti-gel to the winter. That's okay. it. Um, the When we formulate products, we try to put everything we possibly can into one bottle. Um, a lot of our competitors might have a cetane booster and a water dispersion or a you know, in separate, you know, bottles, we try to treat everything in one. Okay. So uh, we don't use any filler in any of our products. They're hundred percent additive. We go right to the EPA's uh, limit of how much additive we can put in a bottle. So we really <laughs> max out everything. And I, that's actually led by Chris, our, our founder to this day. That's what he, he does. So when we formulate a product, he sends it to R and D and he says, what's the best on the market. We test everything out there. They find out what's the best. They put it on the pegboard and they formulate and formulate and formulate until they have something that can beat it. And we're very conscious of the fact that, that we live in a snake oil world. You know, we are in lubrication. There is, there's a, a bad name on this industry for, for justified reasons. There's some really bad products out there. Right there. Uh, and we always try to separate ourselves by 
formulating very good quality products and backing them up with our science, proving it, showing people, having open doors, talking to people, edge like this conversation, you know, really showing people how it's made and, and, and what's in these formulas. And then people can start to understand and start trusting our industry a little more, you know? So I take pride in, 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 in batting down the snake oil phenomenon, you know, um, it's out there, but it's not us. And we do things a different way. So uh, we really try to try to pride ourselves in those formulas. So if you want me to dive into it, what we have in these fuel additive formulas, especially right now with this, how, how high fuel prices have gotten, it's just insane right now. So you normally, when these fuel prices go up, even the people that don't really use fuel additives tend to give us a peek about this time. Cause they're like, man, maybe if I can get any gain out of it, I really like to. So um, to describe, as you asked the difference between the summer and the winter blends, um, Again, since we put everything in one, these two products here, which is our everyday diesel treatment, that's our summer blend, and then our diesel winter anti-gel, which is our winter blend. This is a six-in-one product for the summer, and this is simply a seven-in-one. It's the same product, but we just add the anti-gel okay. to the winter. So let's talk about those six main ingredients and why that's so important to use a fuel additive. Okay. Um, off the top, there's we have to understand that diesel fuels terrible and i'm sure in your series you've you've covered this to this point about how poor the, the quality of diesel fuel is we do a lot of fuel testing nationally um we we even do a local test where we're constantly testing a, a local pump and you wouldn't believe how often not just the fuels different from state to state or county to county but across the street and even at the same pump if you come back the next day you're not guaranteed of getting the fuel that you had yesterday so it's really a crapshoot and you never really know what you're getting. And the fuel jobbers, the refineries um, that process all this fuel, they live in a world of fractions of pennies and they're going to put just enough additive in to make a claim. Right. But um, they have an interest in selling bulk fuel, so they don't want to waste any more money on it than they have to. And so they scrape by on the minimum. So if we look at cetane, for example, uh, there's a, the federal regulation is a minimum of 40 cetane. Um, I believe in California, it's a, it's a 50 cetane. They've got a little bit higher standards, so they got better fuel out there. Uh, but I'll tell you, in all the testing we do, we do, we never see fuel much past 40 gotcha. because these guys are going to go about right there and stop. They don't have any financial incentive to go past it. So uh, uh, that's first and foremost that we have to understand the fuel is bad. What we try to do with our additives and try to educate people on why they need it is we're going to treat the fuel, the poor quality fuel that we're putting in our trucks. And we're also going to treat the vehicle to prolong that fuel system. We're kind of attacking it on both sides. So we've got six ingredients in our, in, in our main fuel out of here. Number one is a cetane booster. Again, the best you're going to see is a little bit above a 40. We can boost that up seven points. The higher your cetane level is, the more efficiently the fuel burns. So you're getting you're getting all of that fuel that you paid a lot of money for and all of that fuel is going towards the operation of your engine. You know, um, when we see black smoke, black smoke is like dollar bills going out the tailpipe, you know, so that is spent fuel that is not being used to, to make that truck run. So what we want to do is bring the cetane level up so that we get a more complete burn of the fuel or use of the energy. Yep, exactly. So that is, that's a really important one right now with the cost of fuel um, is making sure you're really getting your cetane levels up. Um, 
Second thing we put in there is a very strong fuel system cleaner. So uh, everything from the tank to the lines to the rails to the injectors, we want to keep all that all that clean. So we add an injector fuel system cleaner in, in there. Uh, we use a special one that's it's a little bit expensive, but it's also uh, the only type of injector cleaner that can clear out what we call IDIDs, which are internal diesel injector deposits. Okay. These are a built-up deposit of many different fuels and the chemistry in them not cooperating with each other. Okay. And then to put it into the best terms, it's almost like a snot. It's like this really sticky goo that will find its way to an injector tip and stay there. Okay. And, it, and there's no cleaner that will get them out, except the one special chemical that does is pretty expensive. But I always advise people, if you're looking to do an injector cleaning, make sure you're selecting a fuel additive that specifically has an IDID cleaner in it. Otherwise, they're going to stay in there. And what that does is, you know, I heard you said you're going to have an injector uh, company on. I'm sure they can speak to it well about as soon as that spray pattern, you know, starts to get, if you get a little piece of piece of gummy IDID in there, it's going to affect your spray pattern. Once your spray pattern isn't hidden properly, you're, you're wasting fuel, you know, and you're not getting the, 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 you know, all you can out of that fuel. So not only is uh, keeping the injector and the fuel system clean, a good thing, it's also good for the pocket too. It, it allows you to burn the fuel more efficiently right. as well. So we got the CTAM booster. We got the injector cleaner next up lubricity. I could be number one. We know how dry the fuel is, you know, um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people don't know that the fuel years ago got mandated to be low sulfur diesel. Right. And that was, that stripped out 99% of the sulfur that was in diesel fuel and sulfur bad for the environment. Excellent lubricity agent really, you know, helps the lubricity of the fuel. Well, once you're down to 1% of it, you got pretty dry fuel. Well, then they came back and they said, Nope, we're switching to ultra low sulfur diesel and took 99% of that remaining 1% of sulfur out. So now we have 0.1% of what we used to have and the fuel is just terribly dry. Um, there's nothing that lubricates your fuel system other than the fuel. So that pump and everything is just working off of the lubricity that's in the fuel. And from the pump, from the fuel pump, there's just not much. So adding lubricity is really important. Now we could have a whole side conversation on the CP4 pumps and the problem with those. Uh, but certainly if you still have a CP4 in your, in your truck, then you want to be making sure you're adding a quality, uh, lubricity agent to your, to your fuel or those, those can grenade and cause, you know, a bad, a bad weekend, you know. I always tell guys too, I mean, we've seen at the shop CP3s have similar failures in the past, you know, you gotta keep additives into the mix. You got to keep lubricity into the mix. And that goes farther than, you know, we're talking about, you know, these types of things, but then there's the servicing like fuel filters and and things like that, that go into the mix as well. Um, It's crazy to me to think like, yes, fuel has definitely changed. The other thing that I think, you know, a lot of guys look past is the common rail injection system, which is what we all deal with now, run at such a higher pressure than what you would have dealt with, you know, in the Huey injection systems or the older mechanical Cummins injection era, you know, so that's also going to play a role when we're talking about the lack of lubricity and all these other things that, you know, we're, we're discussing. Um, you know, one thing to the higher pressure too is, um, well, uh, another thing we throw in, in our fuel additives is a water disperser. Okay. As we know, uh, diesel fuels, I think it's 60 some percent wax mm-hmm. to start with. And 
condensation. We get water in, in this all the time. So we use a water dispersant. What that does is basically, it basically shocks the fuel and it drops all the water out of solution. So it'll get the water to the bottom of your tank. So to assist your fuel separator, your water separator of getting that water out of there. Passing water through the system is a very bad thing, specifically under the type of pressure that, you know, you just mentioned there. Um, a water, a water droplet at that pressure can literally blow the tip of an injector, you know, so uh, we want to get that water out of there. That's why we add a water separate or a water dispersion to, to shock it and drop it out. And then we also add a rust and corrosion inhibitor into the fuel additive because we're conscious of the fact that we're now separating that water and we don't want any corrosion to build up right, makes sense. in any of the metal parts of the system. So we're complementing the dispersant with, uh, you know, with an anti-corrosion agent as well. Okay. Now, walk us through a little bit of, I know you had said, you know, in the R&D process, you know, you kind of basically put these products that are existing on the market, you know, on the board and, you know, you want to develop and create a product that's going to be at the same level, if not better. But once we have this formulation of like, okay, this is what we think is going to happen or what we think is going to work. What's that, what's that testing process look like? Is it all in house? Is it all on like a, a self-test lab? Are you putting these in vehicles, collecting the data? If so, what does that look like? All of the above. We we take our R&D very seriously here. We spend a ton of money on it um, rather than advertising and marketing because we really feel that a strong product sells itself. Of course. And when we've kind of pigeonholed the company into um, only putting out high-end problem-solving products. When we started, like I mentioned with Chris, what got us into automotive, what birthed the brand in the first place was the stiction eliminator solving that Huey injector problem. So after that, you know, Chris decided that we're, we're never going to make like a commodity style product. Like we're, even if it's a lubricant, if it's, you know, uh, we're not going to make brake oil, you know, brake oil is brake oil. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. So if it's not a place where we can shine from a performance level, or be specifically solving a problem, then we just don't touch it. It's just not for us. There's plenty of companies out there that make products, you know, commodity style products for that. We want to really try to fix specific problems. And as I mentioned, we're at a, we're at a great size where we have the, the capabilities of, uh, uh, of manufacturing some really cool stuff, but we're also small enough and nimble enough to get a job done. And we're happy to tackle niche markets. I, I, one of the, uh, I don't know if I've got a bottle around me, but um, a great example of that is our G56 transmission fluid. Okay. I, I like to use that as an example because it's such a small market. There's not a lot of G56s out there. Uh, when that product was made, or I'm sorry, when that transmission was first made by Dodge Ram, they knew they had a problem with the fluid right away. Like they just, they just knew they didn't manufacture that many of them. So they said, you know what? Put ATF plus four in there. We'll call it a day. Because if they were to develop a G56 specific transmission fluid, they would now require all their dealerships nationwide to keep that on the shelf just in case one of these G56s showed up that needed some servicing. And it's just not cost effective for a manufacturer to do that. So they just said put ATF plus four in it. And we've known since day one, those transmissions get hot. Right. They're hard to get into gear. They're noisy. And uh, we got enough feedback from people saying, hot shots, why don't you solve that problem? And around here, we're like, problem? Cool. What, what is it? Let's try to solve it. So uh, 
so R&D took on G56. And I mean, that was a long process. That probably took them two years to really develop a fluid. Um, but now we have what I strongly believe is the best G56 trans fluid there is because it's specifically made for that transmission. And the G56 guys love us for it. You know, it's like finally somebody made something for this transmission. But that was a, a hole in the marketplace that was created by the manufacturer. You know, they just chose not to do it. So we're happy falling behind and picking up the scraps and fixing those problems and creating products for uh, for for high quality pro- products for people that are in need of a, a, an issue like that so yeah. that's kind of kind of encapsulates what you're talking about with like yeah. the r&d development um to answer your question directly yes we start in the lab we put it on the board and then we formulate and formulate and test uh they they normally will come back with a formula and the way our owner chris will say he'll i'll tell you the analogy he always uses he says if if the u.s military were to call and they say we need a fuel additive for these tanks that are about to roll into battle to defend america would you and and money was not an option make me a fuel additive that's how he sets them off and then he comes back and they say here's our formula and he says well if it was for the U.S. Army and the tanks rolling into battle, would you add something else to it? Well, sure. We'd probably add something. We'll do it. And he keeps doing that. He keeps sending them back to the lab till they finally say, you know what? There's nothing else I can put in it. If I, if I had to add one more thing, I got to take something out. It has full of the best of everything we could do. And that's all I, that, that's as best as we can humanly possibly make it. At that point, Chris then says, okay, now we have a product. Is it affordable enough to even manufacture and go to market with? Sometimes it's too expensive to even sell, um, but we at least know that we're going to market with a with a, a product that is proven and tested. And then once we get to that stage, then it goes into, as you said, uh, third-party testing. We do third-party lab testing, and then we get it into customers' hands. We have a great following that loves to test for us. We usually do between 1,000 and 2,000 vehicle testing on all products before even taking the next, next step and then from a performance side, we have this great relationship with all of these motorsports and 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 and, and diesel performance that um, I then get it into my racers and and sled pullers' hands, and they take these products and beat the heck out of them. You know, it's like I want to see these perform in the most extreme environment so that we can then be confident that your everyday driver uh, with his truck that you know isn't. Right. a three-second drag truck, he's, he knows he's got a good product that's been tested at an extreme level. Now, with the way fuel prices have been going and the whole reason for this series is, you know, talking about different fuel sources, the fuel additives, understanding the fuel system and how to intelligently make a educated, um, you know, uh, choice on what to do to your vehicle to get the most out of it. Um, when doing this R&D and, you know, we, we talk about, you know, where we're at in Northern Illinois, I could go to a fuel tank or a fuel station rather and get straight number two, no bio, or at least that's what they advertise at the tank, at the pump. Um, there's other fuel stations where it could be up to 10% bio or whatever that case may be. How is it formulating something that you had mentioned, you know, California, 50% uh, cetane, um, you know, the other 49 states, you know, it's roughly 40% cetane. Um, developing a product that is well-rounded and have we tested or done anything with these additives in an actual biodiesel fuel that, you know, some guys in their backyards are making? Sure. 
yeah absolutely we 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 know harm test everything across all fuel types because we know that we're a national brand we're sold nationwide we're sold worldwide so we have to be sure that the guys that are using bio are you know that the product can work with them as well um the the toughest angle we always have is is not necessarily formulated for multiple fuel types but more so making sure that we have the gain curve that we have set that benefits everybody. So I'll give you a perfect example of like our EDT, uh, which is our everyday diesel treatment fuel out of our summer blend. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, we have this formulated at a peak where there is uh, a seven point cetane gain. Now that is going to be, that is going to change based on the fuel that it's going into. So if it was in, if you give me some 50 cetane fuel, then, then a performance dosage probably would not reach a 57. But if you give me some 40, I can get you to 47 pretty easily. And that's just because you can't just keep pouring cetane in stuff. This is chemistry. It's got a gain curve. Um, we always try to tell people that when they're using hot shots products, follow our dosage instructions because we spent a lot of time in R&D developing right to the peak of the gain curve and this will go across all different fuel types and so forth people have a tendency to think if a little bit's good a lot's great yeah, more is better of course yeah might as well pour a bunch in there right you know and 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 actually that is true with some some brand because <laughs> they're just watered down you know so you know you do need you know some more but um i'll i'll give you a, a quick side story about one of our racers uh uh, Trey Sykes out of uh, South Carolina. We call it the Trey Sykes dosage in-house because he really tested how much cetane you can get out of a bottle of EDT. He has a um, a fuel, a five-gallon fuel cell that he treats, and he's like, I found this perfect mix that makes the car run better than ever. He's got a BMW 325D, and he's like, it just makes it run perfect. And I'm like, so what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm putting 40 ounces of EDT on a five gallon fuel cell. And I'm like, Whoa, now, mind you, that is supposed to be dosed at one ounce per 25 gallons. Okay. So for five gallons, it's supposed to get two tenths of an ounce. Right. So he's putting 40 ounces on something that's supposed to be two tenths of an ounce. Right. It's a 200 times overdose. And uh, now systems fine. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the cleanest system in the world with all the injector cleaner in there. But, uh, we took it into the lab because we were curious. We're like, well, I wonder how far that cetane went. How, how high can you actually raise it? And uh, one ounce per 25 gallons moves at four points. Two ounces per 25 gallons performance dose moves at seven points. We stopped there because that's right where the gain curve is. That's the doses we recommend for everybody. Well, on a five-gallon fuel cell, that means it's a half ounce. Yeah. Gets you to seven. Well, we tested his with 40 ounces in it. It only was at like nine nine or 10. Really? So a half ounce gets you seven points. Another 39 and a half ounces only moved it two more, points. two more points. Right. So wow. it's important to know that like there is game curve to all this where um, at some point, Hey, if you're buying a ton of it, then you're paying our bills here, but you're wasting money. We, right. we want to make sure that uh, people are, are getting their money's worth, especially right now with the way fuel prices are, what's unique about having a very, potent product like edt it can pay for itself in mile per gallon savings it's that affordable of a product 
that if you're treating say a 25 gallon fuel cell cost about a dollar to do that dollar product and uh, you pick up one percent mile per gallon gain and with five dollar gallon gas it pays for that one dollar of product easily so it's really important to stay on dosage and uh and you know on a product that really guarantees what you're getting yeah no i mean the one thing that's been very commonly themed across all of these interviews is lubricity 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 filtration and lubricity and i mean you know the one thing at the beginning of the series when fuel prices started to skyrocket you know i'd be on the forums and guys were talking about you know converting over to waste oil or you know making their own biodiesel and there's a lot of variables that come into that stuff and the the reality of it is is the cost per as far as the operation is concerned doesn't really outweigh what the cost that the pump is going to be just to pump diesel um, so now my thought process is okay diesel price is what diesel price is where are other avenues that we could go down to where we're able to alleviate cost and that comes into injector and injector pump health in my opinion um, you know so as we have the filtration put in the you know in, into the best filtration possible we have the water separation at the best it's going to be with the different fuel systems on the market it comes down to well is it more or less beneficial just to add an additive into existing fuel that we have to help with efficiency and to help with that reliability out of the fuel system as a whole? Um, and that's, that's kind of been my angle through all of this, right? Whether it's my TDI or my Cummins diesel truck, it's, you know, I wouldn't put bio, I wouldn't put my own fuel that I have made in there on some of the interviews that we have had. But I, I do feel that, you know, additive is gonna go a long way just from that lubricity perspective. A hundred percent. And, and you know, we try to show people this with, 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 with science, because as you said earlier, you don't necessarily, you know, feel it. Like no. it's not something that you feel. Now I argue that you do feel the cetane boost. Um, you, you can definitely feel that in the pedal. If you actually get a proper cetane boost the problem is most companies overclaim what their cetane gains are. Okay. And, um, uh, but you, if you have a seven, if you have a seven point difference in fuel, you'll feel it. Now the trick is, horsepower is the same thing as mile per gallon, you know, it's how you're using that extra fuel and, you know, so we're also responsible ourselves on how we use the right foot, of course. of course. But, uh, but I think that, you know, one of the, one of the things that we like to do is actually put the science and data out there. I, I don't, I don't like to have, you know, you, you talk about the forums and stuff. I mean, there is, there's a million lubricant experts out there on those forums. Everyone's self-proclaimed, right? Like everybody's a self-proclaimed expert. They're not going to claim they're turbo experts or injector experts, but they know they're lubricants, you know, yep. so I get a kick out of some of it. But it, rather than having a battle with that, we just like to put our data and our science out there. So um, a perfect example on the lubricity is, um, as I said, we put everything in, in one product or, or in, in one we actually, when we came out with our LX4, this product here, this is the first time we ever did a one-trick pony. And what this is, this is the lubricity additive out of our, our fuel additives, okay. just by itself. And really, it was kind of for the people that didn't believe in additives, because they, you know, the people that weren't really using an additives, and they caught wind of what was going on with the CP4 pumps. And they're like, I don't need an additive, but I need to add some lubricity. And I'm just... We just kind of chuckle and say, all right. So we we pulled the lubricity additive out of the all-in-one product and offered it by itself. And I can't believe how much we sell of that stuff. And to me, 
I'd much rather use the EDT because it's got all the other benefits. But the fact that we sell so much LX4 tells me that there's still a lot of doubters out there. There's a lot of people that still think it's all snake oil, but yet they're been educated enough to know that that CPP4 pump needs needs extra lubricity. I feel like, you know, the, the general consensus is low, you know, low sulfur to extra low sulfur fuel, you know, like that's there, that's a fact. Biodiesel, I think, has a bad name, even though I do believe some of the bio, you actually help aid a little bit of lubricity uh, from just straight number two. Um, but a lot of guys, you know, they they position themselves like, okay, I own a truck with a CP4, the ultra low sulfur fuel is gonna be the problem. I need to add an additive for the lubricity, but it but a fuel additive isn't the case, right? Like I just want an, an additive per se that's gonna help with lubricity specifically. So at that point to me, it's just kind of all about how I digest that information, right? Like how I take it in, understanding what I need for the truck. But even from that angle too, it's like, I feel it's our job as a lubricant company. And I think more lubricant companies need to do it is, is to be able to explain that to people why, you know, it's, yeah. it's they hear there's a problem, but once I get through, you know, once I explain to people actually what's going on, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like, right. sure, absolutely, I need it. And, and, and I'll tell you real quickly what the problem is with the CP4. They, the Bosch manufactures that pump. They, when they upgraded from the CP3, they did some cost-saving measures. Really bad decision in design. There is a mechanical issue with it um, as well because that, that rolling rocker can actually spin, which is just mind-blowing to me. But aside from that, the main problem is that it was designed for European fuel. Simple as that. They did not even take into account the American standard of fuel. So in Europe, we, we measure lubricity by what we call a, it's a wear scar test. It's an ASTM standard test. And in short, it's a, it's a metal pin that basically sits down on a, on a, a blank of steel that's treated with the lubricant and it just scratches real fast across it. And for, for a set amount of time, and then they measure how much is gouged out of that metal. The more gouged out, the poorer the lubricity. A really good high lubricity keeps it from gouging much. And, and they measure how many microns is of metal are gouged out. So in Europe, the regulation on fuel is a 460 uh, micron wear scar, meaning 460 microns would be uh, carved out of it. In America, we have a regulation of 520, which allows for a lot drier fuel. And when Bosch made that pump, the CP4, they designed it under the European spec, a 460, a much more lubricity fuel than we get here. So what's unique is the same pumps coming on the same trucks or coming off the same assembly lines, both here in America and in Europe. But in Europe, they're having no problems. There are no CP4 problems in Europe. It's less than a 1% failure rate in Europe, which is considered manufacturer defect. They don't even worry about that. If you're under 1%, you know, it's one of those crap happens, you know, if it happens to you kind of thing. In America, latest I've seen is somewhere between 7 and 10% of CP4s are failing. Well, what's the difference? The only difference is the fuel. Right. It's um, exact same pump, same truck, same everything. So the trick is if we can just put European fuel in our trucks here, CP4 problem goes bye-bye. And the trick to that is to get your fuel here under that 460 wear scar. Um, hopefully the fuel you're getting is already there. It's potential it is. The law just states 520, you can't go above that, but it can get as dry as that. So what we have put in all of our, like our EDT, 
the LX4, the doses, the standard doses that we treat for that is designed to lower that wear scar, add lubricity up to 60 uh, microns. So therefore, if you happen to get the worst fuel that is legally allowed to come out of a pump in America at 520, we're going to get that lubricity level up and get drop that wear scar down to a 460, effectively being underneath the European standard. Therefore, the pump will not have a problem with lubricity of, of fuel like that. So it's black and white. It's scientific. That's it still a lot of info to take in, though, all things considered. Well, that's the thing. Like, how do you put that on the side of a bottle when a guy is at, <laughs> at, at the auto shop trying to figure out what to use? And it just looks like you get lost in the, the sea of all these bottles. I get it. You know, so that's why I'm glad to come on with you. And I, I think services like this are awesome because it helps educate people and, and make right sound decisions you know that's always been our main goal here you know um i guess out of the questions that i asked was there anything that you find uh very oftenly asked that i didn't ask um well you know we do get the seasonal thing that you kind of started with there like you know what's the difference in an anigel and you know uh, for us the anigel is just one component like i said we got the six ingredients that's just the seventh one that we had the anigel with and uh uh, and then a lot of people in the north say, "Well, my fuel's already treated. Right. I don't need to add an NHL." Then you get the people in the south that don't even know anything about it, and heaven forbid they fill up and drive north in the winter time with right. southern fuel. You know? Or the cold spell down in Texas, like they had last year, where you know everything gelled up, right? Exactly. So the moral to all those stories are, and I, you know, if I would have known, I'd, I'd uh, provide you with some of these fuel reports that we get. It's a crapshoot. It really is. Like the fuel differs pump to pump, day to day. You can't count on what you're getting, even in the northern treated fuels. What we advise people always go to a highly trafficked fuel center. You know, if possible, if you're straining somewhere, you got to get what you got to get. I understand. Um, truck stops are usually the best because they're psyched. They're going through so much diesel fuel, right, you course. know, but just, you know, avoid the, the back roads, small little diesel pump that's been sitting there for a while. Another important thing is that people don't understand how quickly diesel fuel goes bad. It starts to oxidize within 30 days from refinement. So the average fuel takes at least 30 days, right around 30 to 45 days to get from the refinery through the fuel jobbers into the pump uh, underneath the station that you go to. So by the time it's pumped in there, it's already started to oxidize. Now, now you're putting it in your truck and it's begun that process of oxidation. And then to even throw, you know, extra on top of that. Nowadays, people are trying to cut back on their driving because the fuel costs so much. No, so they're riding out of tank more. even longer. So, you know, having a stabilizer in the fuel is really important, you know, and stabilizers is a cheap uh, extra that you can throw in. We put it in all our fuel, fuel additives, you know, but it's just another reason to use the fuel additive. Nowadays, the driving patterns have changed so much that keeping good quality fuel in the tank when you're not driving as much as you used to is important. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to learn more about Hotshot Secrets or the additives that are offered, how can they find that stuff out? Well, we love to talk to people. We love to get the education out there. Hotshotsecret.com is our website. We've got a lot of information on there. Each of our product pages has the science behind it. If you want to go super nerd on that, we can, if you just want the high level conversation, we can as well. We we're really conscious that we have a good following of 
diehard diesel enthusiasts, but we also have a lot of people turn to us that are like first time diesel owners and just have general questions. So, um, you know, our social media, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, we try to put out a lot of educational content, but our phones are also open too. old school. What do you know? You can actually call and talk to people here. Then we answer the phone and you know, you might get me, you might get one of our account executives. If we don't know the answer to what you have, it becomes like homework for us. Like I will, I'm actually right next to our lab right now. We'll go get one of our tribologists on the phone, help you solve your problem. Um, we're going to die trying, you know, whether you use our products or you don't, because we do oil analysis and stuff here for anybody, you know? So, uh, we like to really be an open book here. So feel free to give us a call. Um, check out our social media, step our website. I'm on the road often at our races. We sell our products at discount on the races. We give away free samples. It's a great place to talk face to face. I love having the face to face conversation. I like that. I don't even, I like the zoom thing when I'm doing interviews, you know? So, I mean, this, we got the outlaw diesel super series is about to kick off and I'm looking forward to it to see all the guys again. It's been a while, but I'll go out there and I will have tons of people come to our booth just with questions. And we love it because, uh, we're, we're, we're happy to answer. We don't dodge those. So, um, if you ever have any lubricant questions at all, whether you use our products or not, feel free to give us a call. We'll help. We'll help, be happy to help you out. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you taking the time. Very informative. Uh, you know, I, I learned something from this as well. So I'm sure my listeners did as well. So I uh, appreciate having you on. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's do it again sometime. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right, folks, we're here with our favorite super tech, Jeremy Garnett. Jeremy, how the hell are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, guys, we're down in the shop with Jeremy. I know it's the first time in a little while here, uh, but we got a chance to catch up with you. Yeah. What's the truck? Uh, 15 LML. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. 15 LML, uh, I'm gonna take a wild guess. It is fuel system related. Yeah. Okay. Uh, LMLs, we know, have issues with their CP4 pumps. It's not every CP4 pump. Um, it is any of them that see debris through it will generally destroy them if you don't have like an extra G fuel system saver or some sort of disaster disaster prevention kit. What was the story on this one? Uh, this one was actually uh, low rail under heavy load and it kept throwing a fuel filter, change fuel filter code. Okay. So, you know, we put a new fuel filter on it, go out, heavy throttle the truck and throws a fuel filter code and then we lose rail. That's funny. That's more of the symptoms that we find around like a, a failing CP3. That's usually what we see right. when CP3 <laughs> has hit that 200, 300,000 mile mark and they're starting to get weak and they won't keep up when you're asking for the peak performance out of them. Right. Uh, what'd you find on this one? Um, it ended up being a bad CP4. But okay. The, but again, the truck's only got 65K. So it's a very low mileage truck. A uh, guy doesn't drive it, uses it to tow a trailer around and did you in inspect the, the MPROP screen? Was it really, was it full of debris yeah. or was there anything um, that was downstream? We actually did do that. We actually um, replaced it with a, another one with an extra G, you know, fuel system saver. Right. We actually put one in and it no change. Uh, changed the second one, no change. And then that was part of the diagnosis okay. of it. Checking, okay, hey, what do we got to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a, a two, three hundred dollars for, for an MPROP screen getting right. changed out. It's a lot more affordable than doing the full CP4. Exactly. So um, the guy uh, decided, okay, let's do it after we diagnosed it and after he went truck shopping. Yeah. And, <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. I think a lot of us are looking at that right now. If you have a repair, maybe five years ago, it was, it was pretty different. You know, if you were in a 15 LML that's right. seven years old, you're like, 
uh, hey, I'm, I'm outside of my payments, I'm outside of my warranty, maybe it's time to, to take a look at upgrading, but now when you go to upgrade, it's not a, a $60,000 truck right. anymore, <laughs> it's, it's a you know, small home. Right. Um, so, okay, so CP4 came out, new CP4 back in? Yeah, we actually did the whole kit. So they actually make a, a GM makes a whole kit for it. So uh, new fuel rails, new lines, I'm sorry, New fuel rails, yeah, right. uh, new injectors, new CP4, and then a new return line. So. Okay, perfect. So. All right. What's a job like this look like for hours? Close to 20 to almost 30 hours. Okay. I mean, it's a pretty big job. You have to pull half the EGR off. You have to pull the Y bridge out. You have to get really, and then there's 30 lines in there that just connect to that CP4. <laughs> so. How'd the EGR look when you had it apart? You know, it was actually really clean. Like I said, it only had 65K on it, so yeah. it was pretty clean didn't okay. see any debris or any soot or anything okay so. uh no other symptoms or signs of wear or tear anywhere else no, on the truck i'm um, actually just getting ready to go drive it and getting excited so i love it to see how it's gonna go awesome man well hey great update we're gonna be back in the shop uh very soon talking about some other uh projects that jeremy's working on we're gonna be showing you guys more and more of kind of the inside look of being down here and working in the shop with jeremy right. thank you so much for joining us thank you Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Um, we skipped it. Yeah.